Welcome, welcome, listeners. If this was a book, we'd be in the annotated bibliography. It's the nib section end of year wrap up. That's right, listeners. You're back with the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. This is our end of year Q&A episode, and we have four hosts for you this episode. Uh, if you listened to the last one, then you know that we are recording these back-to-back. So, welcoming back to the table. Didn't really go anywhere. Really a, a tight 15 minutes for us, but uh, I think a two-week stretch for you. Brian, hobbyist extraordinaire, back with us again. How are you, Brian? I am good, and we are five bottles in? A few. Close. Uh, and that, that voice being our generous benefactor, lender of living room, uh, Sharon, welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. Supplier of champagne. Supplier, indeed. Uh, and that oh, is... Oh, champagne fairy. <laughs> the champagne fairy, yes. <laughs> our, uh, our fearless leader, Di. Hi, Chuck. Um, and I am Chuck. Uh, what is everybody writing with today to kick it off? Uh Holding the year down. I am writing with um, my mint slice, Nakaya. It is the decapod twist in, is this Hekitamanui? Yes, which is sort of a lime green colour with... It's going to be jade with brown uh, lacquer. Yeah, would you call this jade? I guess. It's a sort of a light, it's a light green um, on the facets, um, on the raised points of the facets and it's a sort of reddish brown color and i call it the mint slice because it looks like a mint slice <laughs> <laughs> looks like cocoa and mint what about you sharon uh i am writing with a franklin christoph 65 so i don't know if this is still called the stabilis but it's their desk pen, the 65 version. It's the one that has the size 5 nib. And ordinarily, I wouldn't get a size 5 nib. Um, I prefer the size 6 nibs, but um, unless it's on their model 45, which is their pocket pen. But I saw this one in the stockroom uh, of Franklin Christoph maybe about a month or two ago, and it has the diamond cast blue um, acrylic uh, their special I think it's a new material that they're doing and for me this was just sparkly and pretty plastic um, very very me uh, I really liked it right from the get-go so I picked this one up um, it's got an F sig nib and so for those of you who were listening last episode I have been using this a fair bit and I've been a pretty big fan of the F sig nibs um, the sig nibs in general I didn't think I would like them, but this one's been very pleasant to write with. Um, I've inked this one with the Robert Oster Flaming Blue, which is the limited edition from uh, the Melbourne Pen Show or the um, the Robert Oster ink that was released at the Melbourne Pen Show. And I can say that this is a horrific combo. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to get it to work. Is it even inked? It is inked, but... Um, Something about either the – it's the ink pen combination just doesn't work. Uh, Robert Oster inks, in my experience, have tended towards the drier side, which is why I'm 
I like a lot of their colours, but their performance I'm not a big fan of. And ordinarily, I wouldn't buy boutique inks anymore. But um, I wanted to support the Melbourne Pen Show. It looked like a good colour, except you just can't see it at the moment because it refuses to write. Completely refuses to write. The same ink in same this pen ink. looks great. Did you give it a I've go? seen what the ink looks like yeah, because it did write at one point. <laughs> In, oh, life. in in my Nakaya, I have it inked with diamond bark, which is a really great warm brown. I am writing with my trusty Kakuno in clear body, but with a Koi um, converter in it, which is my favorite of all time. Right. Uh, end of the year, uh, I brought out my, my pen of the year, uh, and it is my... Aurora Sole, which I managed to snag this year, and it's got a, a BB nib on it. Uh, this is one that is married to yellow, married to uh, my PW Ackerman uh, yellow because I got 120 mils of it. Hela Okavan. Hela Okavan France, France, I believe. Uh, <laughs> look, there's, there's only one way that I'm going to get rid of 120 mils of yellow, and that's in a BB. Um, that's my pre it's been a, a mainstay for the whole year. Uh, a little bit of news. We are after this episode going to go on a January hiatus. Uh, same as last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Just little- a time of rest and relaxation for us all. Mostly me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, gathering, gathering our energy for the for the coming year. Um, do we have any other news or feedback? Not that I can think of. What are we all doing in January if not recording the podcast? Well, we probably are recording it in January. It's just that we're not going to be releasing any episodes in January. <laughs> um, anyone going on holidays? So, what are we doing in December? Um, <laughs> I don't even want to think about Christmas or New Year's yet. Like people keep asking me, what are we doing for New Year's? I'm like, I just want to stay at home (laughs) and not have to go out or entertain or anything. Oh, wow. There goes my invitation to hers. (laughs) I was going to suddenly be like, oh, well, if you're staying at home for New Year's. (laughs) Well, you can come and like watch the fireworks from Cars Park (laughs) several blocks away. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not as dramatic as watching the fireworks from your veranda. Yes, true. You can actually see them from here. Yeah. I I, I think I'm still going to be glued to my desk finishing this this thing of I've made uh, as much as I want to. I've made the um, promise to myself that I will not be engaging with Pokemon Sword and Shield <laughs> until until this book is done. Oh, you're talking uh, about your ink. Uh, my it, your, oh, your NaNoWriMo novel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of which, uh, at time of... Rec- you achieved your word limit, your Absolutely. word goal, but you haven't actually finished the novel. At time of recording, <laughs> I have hit 50,000 words, but Woo-hoo. there is probably another 50,000 to go. Time of recording being the last day of November. Correct. Uh, I, there's, there's a fair bit to go. Cheers to that. Chin chin. Chin chin. Woo. There we go. Uh, so there's, there's, there's time to go. Um, what about you, Brian? My mom's coming. So, I don't know. My mom's never a big fan of celebrations. Um, wow, that sounds gloomy. <laughs> it has its merits because these days I don't really wait for the New Year's either. Like, that's always been her 
halfway in life, like, oh, you go ahead. I'm just gonna sleep. It's 10 p.m. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think I'll be cooking up for Christmas Eve, but that's about it. Maybe some Barbie if there is a um, if there is no fire ban. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll see. What are your December plans, Chuck? Uh, this December is largely look uh, after today. I'm going to take a day of rest, uh, and I'm believe I'm going up to the central coast for a little bit, and I'm going to not think about writing for at the very least a 24 hour period uh, before I, before I come back to it. But I think I'm going to ride out the rest of the year uh, in. Uh, unemployment ignoble as it may be uh because i uh, I've, I've basically found that uh in six years of work i did six years of working i did no writing and in three months of unemployment i did more writing than i did in any of that so i'm gonna kind of ride this out and see how we go but those those are really my end of year plans to close it out um on on that note um, this this episode uh, can take a, a few uh, a few different forms, but it, it tends to be a reflection whenever we do our end of year episode, and we we muse about how the year has been. Um, I believe when we did this episode last year, it wasn't far off the first time we'd recorded in in your house, Sharon. Would have been so. The first time we recorded here would have been. August or September yeah. last year. So a little over a year we've been doing this. I remember Melissa was on and was talking about how 2018 was not a, an exciting pen year for her. No, uh, I think she's very settled into what she uses and um, is not in the market, as it were. Um, neither am for I. New, <laughs> new things to entice her. But on, on that uh, reflection and what the year has been for you with uh, your stationery, with your pens, with your writing. We, we, we're going to muse on that for a little bit, but uh, let, let's start with you, Brian. Your highlight for the year with fountain pens. Oh, fountain you, pens. Yeah, you, you, are a man of many, you are a man of many, many hobbies. Mm. Uh, most of the time we get you on your recommendation as a hobby, uh, an activity, uh, as it will, but specifically to fountain pens if we can restrict it to that what's what's your year's highlight been year's highlight i've been very boring since last year this year well since i filled my 25 in the um pen case i've been very restrictive as to what i'm getting what i'm doing and trying to budget what i'm buying that's worked out really well and i've only purchased like four of the pilot deluxe series i've got a multiple of burgundy because i just happened to win the bid on ebay for like less than 50 bucks so i have three copies of those um the highlight of this year is this the pen that i was writing with in the previous episode which is the Bungbox exclusive Sailor. Did you get that off eBay? Uh, no, it was from a uh, f- the Sailor Ink and Sailor Pens and Inks on Facebook. Oh, Someone okay. from the US yeah. was offloading quite a lot of um, special editions, and I just missed out 
on the there is another version of the similar but it's blue i forgot what model it was but that was wait what's the model called again the green one you have green one is suyu hikari suyu hikari bungu box I've only found out that bungu means stationary in mm-hmm. Japanese. How did you not know that? <laughs> I don't on, know. I thought it's on absolutely everything. <laughs> I thought bungu is just a different um, pronunciation of bang. Like initially, at the very beginning, I thought it was bang box, like bang instead of bang instead of bungu. 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 I'm sorry, Sharon. You're another uh, fountain pen person of, of many ups and downs. What's what's your highlight been of the year? I've had a couple of ups and downs, mostly ups, especially when it comes to the collection. But um, I've had a couple of higher fountain pen related highlights. I'm going to put top of my list this year was actually recording with all of you guys um, at the Sydney Pen Show live this year. That was a fun experience. That was a very, very fun experience. Um, And actually the Sydney Pen Show – as a whole, the fact that we we had people come to us this year because we were just we weren't actually a volunteer, so we had somewhere to sit. We had a nib section um, table. We could drink. We could drink. We could. Um, we had special edition inks from Yaching Style, which was fantastic. Um, but for me, just recording an episode at the Sydney Pen Show was quite an experience and I really enjoyed that. So that was one that I shared with a lot of you guys. Um, and then other fountain pen related highlights of the year. So I did a couple of trips this year and um, had the opportunity to meet a number of people, um, part of the Tokyo uh, pen group, which we did a couple of episodes on. Um, that was heaps of fun. And I saw quite a lot of uh, vintage Japanese pens, like vintage Japanese makie, because at that point in time, you know, Platinum was celebrating their 100 years. Um, they had a lot of these museum displays at a lot of stores where you could see their history and how fantastic the makie and the um, designs that they had were uh, over the years. So that was fascinating. Um that was uh, another fountain pen uh, related highlight and probably one last one would have been also sort of related to all of that which was um getting to meet the editor of shumi no bongubako uh, the japanese um pen magazine that diana talked about in the last episode and um, yeah, just really hearing from her, you know, how an uh, how an edition gets pulled together, and kind of seeing the creative mind at work. So that was pretty cool. Sharon already mentioned one of my highlights, which was the live recording that we did at the Sydney Pen Show. That was really really nice. Um, it was a bit of a a headache, quite stressful um, ahead of time, just trying to get all the equipment and the logistics together because I've never done anything like this before. Um, heavy. The, the speakers were heavy and yeah. you guys did not turn up no. in the mornings to help us out. Di and I <laughs> hauled those speakers all the way. We unpacked, unloaded. I asked to loaded. help with the duct tape. You said no. Have, it was a mess. I have, I, have the <laughs> Thank chat. You. I have the chat and receipts. I was told not to show up that early. <laughs> You didn't have to show up at seven, but you could have shown up like before nine. Um, but you did turn up with coffee and 
breakfast a little later no, on. Coffee, 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 coffee was, was important. Um, but my other highlight was a series of interviews I did this year uh, with people that I was really interested in talking to. Um, among them, Audrey from Franklin Christophe, but also Anna in Cantadora, and I think most of all, um, my friend Laura. Um, who is Inksy or Inkpy on Instagram. Um, I think all three in- interviews were really well received beyond my wildest dreams um, by listeners. And I think especially the one I did with Laura, where we discussed how writing and using stationery is sort of like self-therapy for us um, and really helps us with our anxiety and our tendencies towards depression Um and like really getting into quite personal stuff, um, which is not something we do all the time on the podcast. But sometimes, you know, I think it's useful to show that stationery is not just a hobby. It's also kind of a lifestyle and also something that helps people. And um, yeah, I really liked the listener feedback we got after that episode. Yeah. Um, my highlight of the year, I... I got a number of quite large strides made in in my collection this year uh not necessarily in terms of number which has grown slightly but uh in terms of uh specifics that i was looking for and the the real highlight for me was uh kind of just coming across messages of uh people looking out on my behalf uh i i had a number of people um not just tell me about things, but even in the case of private sales, to tell someone, uh, particularly, uh, you know, overseas, uh, different time zone, they'd tell someone, be like, can I reserve this until I hear from somebody? That's because you have such distinctive tastes and how yeah. many people collect yellow pens? It was, and, and it was quite nice. I, I think that the highlight for me has been a number of the... Uh, a number of the international people that I now talk to on a regular basis and definitely have incriminating uh, incriminating conversations with. Um, but there, it really has been a community uh, building experience that, uh, that I've appreciated this year. Um, Can I jump in? I'm sorry, yeah, I yeah, forgot. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, another highlight of this year is that me not realizing that I actually asked my mom to purchase some Lamy Duck Lala <laughs> like I two years back. I, didn't, I completely forgot because last, my mom comes in like three to four times a year. And for some reason, she forgot this pack of Lamy Duck Lala for the past two years. And she only brought in like two or three bottles like two years ago. And last month, she sent me a picture of more than half a dozen of Lemmy Duck Lilac 50ml bottle or 30ml. 50. 50ml bottles. And um, that gave me goosebumps. Hey, mate, you you know how we were saying that, um, you (laughs) know, we're difficult to buy for? Hint, hint. Yes. I I actually wrote in my notes for the previous episode, um, has everything. Very hard to get inks. Yes. Such as dark lilac. I was actually going to also mention like my beloved Caran Dash Amazon, if you can manage to find a bottle. (laughs) This was purchased two years ago and forgotten and left in a really dark corner of a cupboard in my old room. 
So we'll see if she remembers to bring it this time. <laughs> well, we have, we've also fielded a number of questions from our regular listeners, from other members of Fountain Pens Oceania about um, kind of state state of the collection, uh, as as it were. Um, no, actually, what we got was a bunch of questions, and I sorted the ones that are related to the end of year sort of. Um, wrap up reflections into this category so they weren't initially um directed at our end of year yes, yes. yeah wrap up uh collated uh by by fearless leader die um but the first question is from scott or a uh, paper late and uh, it's in the past year have your pen collections gotten larger or smaller uh, and what is behind that? Are you collecting a certain type of pen or selling pens that you once loved but no longer use? Uh, addendum. Uh, a related question. This. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, has, uh, this is from Therese, and it says, uh, has your taste or preference of writing instruments changed over the years, and why? Uh, this, this is an interesting one. I, I would say that the biggest thing that uh, I've noticed this year uh, across the board is that I have moved virtually all of my cigar-shaped pens uh, away, and I'm now down to flat tops across the board. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, I think I mentioned last episode to Diana that uh, this time last year, I had an 80 to 90% Japanese uh, pen collection, uh, and it is now about half, perhaps even less. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in things I would just like to experience. And I, I have sampled a lot of that area that, and I am just trying out a bunch of new stuff. There's been very minor numerical growth. Uh, I'm still in the mid teens, uh, but it is a higher number than I started the year with. Um, what about you, Di? Um, let me think. There hasn't been a huge change in my total number this year like I've gotten I got rid of a bunch of pens in the first half of the year and in the latter half of the year I acquired um, a significant number of low price mid-range price pens so I got a bunch of pen bbs as I've mentioned several times before um, and I've gotten a few opus 88s but nothing very splurgy except for my Mont Blanc rigid Kipling. That was the ooh, the eighteen ninety one, I think, limited edition. It was the the very very pretty um, metal, very heavy, very heavy one. Not the green rigid Kipling, but the one that's like rose gold. Um, it's beautiful, but very heavy, and I certainly wouldn't use that as a daily writer. I just wanted it because I think it's gorgeous. Um, so my number of pens has mainly stayed around the 88, 90 range when I don't count my Kakunos in my pen BBS, which I don't. Uh, they, they, they shouldn't count in my total because there's too many of those and they double up quite a lot. Um, so I've, in my mind, I'm still under 100 and I'm saving a few spaces for uh, additional Nakayas and DuPonts that I intend to acquire. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's been a whole lot of change except maybe for my adventures into sort of lower price pens like the pen BBS, which I've had fun doing. Um, 
I think, I don't know if we all agree on this, but coming from a biology point of view, I think our collection goes in a really early sigmoidal curve, where it goes really slow at the beginning, for the first like three, six months, and then a rapid increase in the next year, and then a plateau that Mm -hmm. goes slightly up over forever. And for me, it's gone down a little bit past that plateau. Yeah, after the plateau, I I dipped. And And then now a plateau again. Yeah, plateauing again. Yeah, which is the same as mine. Um, The past two years, I've only been purchasing like less than five in a year. So currently I'm sitting at less than 75, more than 50. I haven't actually counted. And your collection's mainly pilots, right? Um, The main collection is pilot. There are like 20 of that deluxe deluxe. Mm -hmm. model, I think. But the others are the 25 of my daily carry, which I don't really use these days because I've been working from home. Um, And there are some of the scattered collections here and there. Oh, I have to say, um, one not particularly important addition to my collection this year, but worth mentioning is I got my third... Um, Esti Dupont Olympio Vertigo in the extra large. <laughs> I had to. I got my third one this year <laughs> because I have a ongoing search notification on eBay for the Olympio Vertigo. And so every time I see one available for a fairly good price in a nib that I don't have before, I just get it. <laughs> so one day I will have like five of each size. They- Oh, yeah, they do come in two sizes, right? Yeah, there's the smaller one and the larger one. And it's only the Vertigo 2 that you collect, right? Yes. The diamonds rather than the squares. I think that's the Vertigo 1. I thought it was the 2. I think it's the 2. Okay, I'll count your words. It's the squares. No, she collects the diamond version, not the square version. We're going, we'll be right back mm. after this short let's, intermission let's, let, where... Let's let, let's let Di tell us what she, yeah. she um, collects. While Di figures that out. So, what part of the curve would you say that I'm on then, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I don't know. So, I start- Equipment is not sophisticated enough. <laughs> yeah. to I'm measure. not sensitive <laughs> enough to measure you. So, uh, last year when we did this, I said I was sitting at, I think, 164 or 168 pens. And it was my goal this year to try and get to 100 Sorry. Check back. It is the Vertigo 1. That's the one with the squares. The Vertigo 2 is the one with the diamonds. And the huh. Vertigo 2 is the one that you collect. No, that's the one I don't collect. That's the one that's that the diamonds. I don't yeah. collect that one. I collect this one with the, the squares. The one that looks like um, a suit, a tartan suit. Ah, oh, okay. I thought you collected the diamonds because Yakov had one of the those for sale. Melbourne Pension. I saw one, but it was it had a dent in it. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't get it. And it was a smaller version. Right, okay. I checked it. It had a dent. Um, So last year when we had had a look at all of this, uh, I was fully uh, going forward into 2019 with the intention to reduce my collection. And I did pretty well at the beginning of the year. I went through and ruthlessly cut back on quite a lot of pens. I also put in place an actual storage um, system where I got uh, 15, 15, 10 pen 
boxes. So altogether, that would fit 150 pens. Um, so that was doing pretty well. Then I went to Japan. It was working pretty well until the decimals attacked. Yeah, I went to Japan and for some reason, this year's Japan journey for me just got me obsessed with decimos. I liked them before this and I had quite a few of them before this year, but during this year's trip to Japan, I had I caught decimania. I know how to describe your curve. What? A stock exchange curve. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an upward... No, what do you call that? Upward trajectory. Upward trajectory for the decimos. Oh, and there's another one for the Franklin Christophs. <laughs> well, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not that's not far from the truth. So, decimos came into my life, and that was a. They're very easy to collect. Very, very easy to collect. I collected a couple of new, um, couple of new sailors at the beginning of this year as well. I got a couple of. Um, I, believe they're called secret edition sailors which were quite cool um but then I pretty much stopped collecting sailors altogether when I fell down the decimo rabbit hole and my collection increased by x where x is a fairly sizable number that I don't care to reflect too much upon um then towards the back end of the year, after Di did her interview with Audrey from uh, Franklin Christoph, after that episode, I went Franklin Christoph crazy and I acquired many. I, let's just say I'm halfway to getting my FC50 pen within the span of a couple of weeks. And so I've definitely... I think I've just gone with the flow this year. Something's caught my eye and then that's just rapidly duplicated. And I must say this year I've been subject to a bit of boredom as a whole. And whenever I'm bored, I just tend to buy stuff to try and make me less bored or try and, um, you know, thrill me a little bit more. And that's never a good recipe for acquisitions because, you know, I bought a Panida this year um, amongst other things. And, and so there's no... That didn't work out reason. well either. Yeah, it worked out okay. It was just I didn't like the pen body. Um, so there's no rhyme or reason for, for me this year. But I will say I spent a lot less time selling pens, um, which is probably something I'm going to try and correct. I'm going to go through things with a critical eye and much less emotion and make the call oh. as to what I'm going to cut. I thought they are going to say, does it spark joy? Uh, no, 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 no. My, <laughs> my cells don't rise anymore. I'm over sparking joy. That was so last year. Um, you can get a pill for that. <laughs> I think that's uh, speaking from experience there, right? Um, and so now what I'm finding is that I'm collecting pens that I know work. Uh, I've been quite vocal all year around my absolute intolerance for bad QC and pens that just don't work out of the box. Um, and I just don't want to run that risk anymore. I really, really don't. And as a result, I know what works um, for me and I just don't want to, I don't want to stray too far from that. And one of the things in hindsight that I'm reflecting upon and sorry, long-winded spiel here um 
when I, when I started really getting fully into my craze decimania this year, um, I reflected upon the fact that I wrote a I made a very emphatic uh, forum post uh, about ten years ago where I said. I can't stand the vanishing point. This is a stupid and ugly pen. I will never buy one because if you wanted a clicky pen, why don't you get a goddamn ballpoint pen? Yada, 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 yada. I wrote a very emphatic forum post about it and I tried to dig it up the other day and I couldn't find it and I suspect that I may have deleted it at some point in time. But I was very anti-vanishing uh, points for the longest period of time and that's really shown you... I guess after so many years of collecting, you have highs and lows. You have what's in the, you know, what's in vogue right now, versus what will always be in vogue for you, and what's something new and shiny that's caught your attention. And if I take a step back and look at my entire collection, the stuff that has stuck around for a really long time are the French and German pens. I've always liked Pelicans. I still like them. I've always liked uh, the Lamy Two Thousand, and I still love that pen. I've always loved DuPonts and that hasn't stopped at all. Whereas the stuff that's new is my tolerance for, um, oh, sorry, the lenience that I would give to certain brands just because of looks. Whereas once in the day, I loved Italian pens. I was all about the passion and the art of making Italian pens. And, you know, they didn't write out of the box or they had baby's bottom or they fell apart in three bits. I just say, well, it's an Italian feature. I'm okay with that. Whereas I don't have that tolerance anymore. You're too old for that. I'm too old for that. I'm really <laughs> no too one's old got for enough that. hours in a day. <laughs> and I just want something that works now. And uh, so my preferences have really shifted from what appeals to me at a passion or an interest level versus what just works. I now see fountain pens not so much as works of art. I haven't bought a new Nakai in yonks. Actually, I have two new ones coming next year. <laughs> but, um, like, I haven't bought a work of art pen for a really long time, um, whereas all of what I've been buying have been very functional, have been very functional, very practical, because I see them now more as tools than as anything else, which is quite a big mind shift. Practicality is an art in itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's probably been a big shift for me uh, because last year I collected a lot of Nakaya. I went, I skyrocketed in the number of Nakaya that I bought between probably mid-2017 to the end of last year. This year was a very dry year. I didn't buy like a single one until the anniversary editions came out and I put in my order for the anniversary editions. But other than that, I haven't bought any new ones. So... There's my long-winded reflection. Uh, too long, didn't read. 15 pen boxes was not nearly enough. Are you going to get more pen boxes then? I did get more pen boxes. <laughs> How many? Uh, for me to know and you to find out. <laughs> um, Stay tuned, listeners. So uh, our next question comes from Anna uh, or Incansadora on uh, IG. And it's, uh, what are your favorite inks of the year? I had a really unexpected late game entry to inks of the year. This year or any year? This, this year. This year, I think. Favorite inks and from this year. I'm not sure if it counts as released this year, but I hadn't tried it till this year, and I hadn't tried it till recently. Uh, and it is the Jacques Urban uh, Terra d'Ombre, the 
like the brown that they use. Um, I very I have not had a good history with brown inks. I tend not to like them. I keep them around as an art ink, but I don't uh, I don't write with them. Uh, not the case for this. I found it to be the most surprising uh, addition to my regulars. Uh, apart from that, my favorite inks have remained fairly stable, I think, from the last time this was asked. Um, we are still at Tsukio, and we are still at Heleoka van Frans to, to this day. Uh, who, who wants to take up inks for the year? I'll go. I went quite deep into Mont Blanc inks this year. I think I acquired about 10 different Mont Blanc inks, and... My favorite of the bunch was the, I think it's a limited edition from one of the Antoine Sonic Zuperay collections, and it's the Red Fox, which is this orangey, reddish brown color. It's very much like the reddish um, pelt of a fox, and it sh- shades beautifully on li- nice paper. It's a little bit too pale um, for, I think, work situations but on cards on like journal um it's beautiful it shades so nicely there's no sheen whatsoever but i think it's really the shading and the unusualness of that reddish brown so this is probably the second year we have featured one of the little prince oh inks. yeah of course last, last year, year was, i um, featured the encore du desert yeah that's right that was my absolute favorite ink of last year um and yeah come full circle this year with you and red, red fox i think red fox really stuck out um to me as a really un- really gorgeous color when we u- when i used it to sign just because it was the only color i had on me i used it to sign a gift card that we gave to a friend of ours monica and i just saw the way it shaded on that card and it just looked so gorgeous and i just fell in love with that color and i've been using it in one pen or another ever since well this year i've been discovering blue inks because of that protocol um the brand the, protocol. The, yeah the workplace Brian Protocol. So last... Saputro v. Workplace. <laughs> Version 1. Effective. 2017, I think it was. Um, so last year's Japanese spring went to Japan, bought a lot of blue inks in preparation. Didn't really actually use it until late last year. And I've been using a lot of um, Kobe Blues, I think it's 17. Shioya Blues. Shioya Blue. One of our favorites. <laughs> One of our favorites. 37. Island Blue Island, is 37, I think. I think. Island, yeah. yeah. Uh, 55 and 60. Oh, Hyogo Canal Blue, I think. I think that's 60 50. is my favorite. 55, I think, is Hyogo Canal Blue. Is 60 Kanatazawa? Kanatazawa. That's a dark one? Number like, two. Have you tried playing, number two? Are we playing no. bingo? Did I <laughs> What's happening? Hatoba number two is Pier Blue is number yeah. two. I think I almost got like three more, but... Hatoba Pier Blue Lapis is, is also my very nice. It's a bit too blurple for me, but it's nice. Maya Lapis? Maya Lapis. Yeah, I didn't get that one as well. Anin was giving me a really bad piercing eye at that time when I was doing my shopping. Too so. many inks. Mm. I think, what, two dozen? I... Brought back. How many of oh, them are blue? Excluding, excluding, excluding the ones you yours? Yeah. packed for me. 
Fluid so, weight. Yeah. We yep. Yep. And I have to disperse that between one, two, three, four people as well. Oh. So you had heaps Quite of luggage fair. space. I know. Still <laughs> overweight though at that time. Oh my gosh. I think this year has really been the year of shading inks. Like shading inks have gone absolutely through the roof with the, especially the release of the, what do they call them? The new style shading inks from Troublemaker with um, oyster, kelp tea, ocean kelp tea. I yeah. think those are the three. Um, so the Troublemaker inks have really Abalone. Taken. Abalone. Abalone? Abalone. I say abalone. I say abalone. Can we get a consensus on that? Where do you vote? Where do you oh, come down? Abalone. Abalone. You. Abalone. Abalone. So we're 50 50. Yeah. <laughs> we need to. Where's Tav? <laughs> I'm, I'm praying to Google. Tav's going to have strong opinions <laughs> yeah. on it regardless. Um, so I think this year has really been the year of shading inks. I was very, oh yay, shading inks last year. This year, um, we all know about my love of Asagao. Um, the one ink that I really, really enjoyed this year was the Yaching style bellflower ink. And I think that was just because I hadn't seen anything like it. It, it was an ink that changed colour depending on the type of paper, the a saturation and how long it had actually been um, on the page. It, it was just a fascinating ink that started off grey, went purple, lightened up to a um, pink it's fantastic color. Which one is this? The Yaching style bellflower. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the craziest here. The, um, bell, yeah, the so one that the was shading. sparked by the one, two, three. Yes, yes. Um, so I really liked that particular ink this year. And then another one which sort of got back into and didn't really expect to like it as much was. Um, a good old Graphon Faber Castell Violet Blue, which I know a lot of people around this table are not fans I of. I have a bottle and I haven't used oh, it. I've only I love dipped it. it once. I love it. Um, ever since I got my Aurora, I got a light purple Aurora. It's had that particular ink in it, and it's just been such a good match. So, being a big fan of that. Light colour inks this year for me. Um, Sailor Gentle Yuki Akari. I'll put a shout out for that. I really like that ink. How can you write anything that's legible in Yuki Akari? You use it in a fine nib, like an extra fine or fine nib. Or a highlighter. It works really well. It's It darkens up a little bit no. in a in an extra <laughs> fine nib. Yeah, mine does. I'm doubtful. Mine did. Yuki Akari, the, um, the, the really light, the light blue. eye-piercing. Very blue. light blue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Amairo from Pilot It's Eros much Shizuru. lighter than Amairo. It is lighter, but it's much still more bright. floral, that one. I, I do like Yukiakari. I quite like Yukiakari. But for a highlighter, not as I'm writing. On that note, this, this also takes me through to the next question, which I want to throw your way first off the bat, Sharon. This is also from Anna in Kansadora. Um says, What do you look forward to next year? And my subtext of that question for you sharon is what is the blue of 2020 likely to be oh sorry jumping back in it's abalone with an uh, <laughs> according what, to what? oxford um so what is the blue of next year i didn't even get to talk about all the blues that i've like discovered this year so early on in the year i really liked the mont blanc unicef blue i know a lot of people didn't like it but I was a big fan. The Mont Blanc Blues Collection, 
towards the back end of the year, I thought was a great set of blues as well. Um, Robert Oster, as usual, came out with quite a few blues, a lot of sheening blues this year. Um, and the Mitsukoshi, Mitsukoshi? No, sorry. The Maruzen Pensho um, ink for this year was also a blue, was a blurple. Uh, Nihonbashi 19, oh, 1894, I think it was called. Great blue. So my prediction for next year, I think it will be a Mont Blanc blue because that series, those six blues, there's a blue for everyone in that range. Um, there's a blurple for blurple lovers like me. There's also lapis lazuli in there, which I absolutely adore as my fave. A lot of the greeny blues in there. At least two of the inks in the one blanc yeah, blues. Yeah, the Maya blue and the turquoise. Mm. Like Quite the blue. blue. Chinese blue is blue. Chinese blue. It's greenish as well. I like the lapis lazuli. Mm. Yeah. I, I like lapis. So I do think it'll probably veer back blues have always been popular and the one constant throughout all the years that i've seen is that anything that's got that penman sapphire true blue tinge to it has always remained quite popular so i predict that that will still be in uh, still be a craze and one of the mont blanc blues I'm a big fan um I, I don't know what i'm looking forward to uh, this year it's it's now been I have swapped a pen, uh, but it, it's been in the past few months, I've only made one purchase, uh, really. And a, a lot of other things I've been swapping around. So I'm thinking about doing a freeze out for the first half of next year. Um, so, I mean, I could start now. I could, or I could uh, wait till, I could wait till midnight on New Year's Eve and, safely dump a bunch of cash in 2019 um, <laughs> but uh yeah i i think that uh since we've been talking about trends and trajectories i i have been trying to find other things which work for me this year and a lot of it has been stuff that has stayed in and a lot of it hasn't i don't i don't share the same fondness for uh, pelicans that sharon has and i I tried one on. It's now. It's currently with Joanne uh, to see if she likes it. But uh, I may be moving that on. I, I definitely tried to drum up some of my own interest, um, and I think I'm gonna just lean into the that lack of. Um, a lot of the times, I'll look at a pen now and I'll ask myself whether it does anything that my other stuff doesn't. You're in the same situation that Melissa was yes. last year, right? Yeah. Well, she's very, very comfortable with what she has and feels like she's really found what she really likes. Yeah. And to to displace anything that's currently in her roster would really take something that she found extraordinary. Yeah. I, I don't think there's uh, – there's maybe out of what I have, there's maybe five things that would, you know, you could pry from my cold dead hands. And there's uh, a number of others that would take – real financial distress for that to go anywhere but apart from that everything's quite solid and i'm hoping to to ride that out for for another six months uh in, inevitably there will there will come time. at least until your rialo comes back from bocamondo yeah yeah um when it what is it now it's the end of november yep uh she's pretty fast doesn't yeah. take it that long yeah it'll probably be in the january period mm, january or mm. feb 
Um, that's me. What about you, Di? Oh. Well, oh. Well, what about you? You looked Brian? at Brian, and then you asked me your question, and I'm like, <laughs> I feel completely caught well, out. Whichever of the two of you would like. I was going to say just because we are both Asians, but then again, everyone is Asian. It doesn't work for this room. No. Uh, um, I just had a revelation just now, <laughs> thinking about where I'm going and what my mindset about getting a pen going forward. Same with Mel, maybe. Um, I think I've already got enough. Clearly, my wife's been saying that a lot of times. Even my mom has been saying that. We need a younger host. <laughs> We need someone that's that's more upward. Excitable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... For now, I'm only purchasing pens that I find like it goes well with my aesthetics to begin with. And then secondly, only if it's at a really good price that like it's a rare sighting, you can get it at that lower price. But if I really like it and the price is just way too high, then nah, I will I will skip it. Like there is no push for me to be chasing A lot of things. Yeah, the price playing has the long to be game. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before well, we field some, can I just oh, add one um, more? Absolutely. Because I forgot to say, I was so focused on inks earlier. What I'm actually looking forward to next year is attending a US-based pen show. It is on my bucket list for next year. I'll make it happen. Which one did you say you wanted to go to? Was it Baltimore? Um, no, the Washington Philly, the Philly because one because that's the, the Franklin, Franklin Christoph. Christoph. Yes, Philly was the one I wanted to go you have to. Have to go now. Philly with um, San Fran and Washington coming after that. So all of them. Almost. There's no, also, there's you know, one like Long every weekend. Island, L.A. Mm-hmm. and all Triangle, the New York. <sighs> Uh, th- this one is from uh, Leo, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that this is going to provoke a lot of discussion. Uh, Leo has asked, what is your regretful purchase of the year? Um, can we... Can we Circle finish? back to me? Yeah, let's yeah, finish sure. with you. <laughs> I just pulled something out of my bag. Uh, Sharon. Just looking at it is a disappointment. Sharon, would you like to... <laughs> um... I didn't actually have any real regretful purchases of the year. Maybe towards the back end of the year, the bottle of Robert Oster Flaming Blue that I got because it just doesn't work at I the moment. Panida, was that last year? No, Panida I bought this year. Also, I don't regret the Panida. I will say this. It wasn't my favourite purchase of the year. It wasn't a moment of glory for me because I bought the wrong pen. Um, but I don't regret the Panida because I quite You didn't like- keep it either. I still got it. I thought you sold it. It's for sale. Okay. Do you want a Panida die? No. <laughs> um, Not on your life. I actually really like the nib. I like the nib. I like the grip section. I like the closure system of the Panida. I just hated the body. It was a nightmare for anyone who has trypophobia. I purchased uh, Ooh. very recently. <laughs> yes. Uh, very recently I purchased, uh, I would say, July. Um, I bought the uh, ASC pens uh, and Bittner uh, Mandarin uh, Bologna Extra. And I'm, I'm just going to give Sharon a moment. Um, We told you so. Yeah. Sure. Um, large pen. Uh, you bought it to write with, not as a weapon of self-defense? No, no, yeah. 
I so well, I told you so. <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the weight and girth. Yeah, that that's something that's not suited for me doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be disappointed with it. Yeah, but that wasn't the only like only thing I took offense to when you bought yeah, that pen. Yeah. <laughs> um and the you you had a, a negative experience with the nib that you got, I believe. You, you Never said. bought one, but that, that you, I that knew tried. people who had owned them. Yeah, the nib and actual writing experience of the the one I got was great. I, I enjoyed it. Um, what I was frustrated with was that uh, the material. So I uh, I had was going to sell it to someone. Had sold it to them. Within a couple of days of them receiving it, they told me that it had developed uh, micro cracks on the threads. Um, well, within their rights to return it, return it they did. I refunded their money. But now I have a very large pen and the, the cracks are not major, but they're a disappointment. Um, and I have a very large and weighty uh, pen that I don't want to use. These are cracks on the thread of the cap or on the body? On the body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I don't want to use. So uh, I'm, the pen is kind of in a limbo uh, where I would be happy to let it go for a very reduced price. But also I'm wondering if I end up just letting it sit for a while. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think on it. It is currently the conundrum and i've, I've it's tried a very a lot pricey of mistake hmm? it's a very pricey mistake i know i know um i like sharon a, a pen that i don't love isn't necessarily regret i've tried a lot of stuff on this one i think was not uh was not positive in enough aspects for me to recommend and i think some of it is uh i think some of it is intrinsic to the uh, the design um, ambitions of of the company, um, wanting to use a lot of uh, vintage materials carries its own issues. Wanting to use um, a filling system, which I can't really f- uh, sing any praises for. Uh, uh, yeah, I, um, I haven't, uh, been particularly happy with that purchase and I don't think there, uh, will be, even if it's not an extra, I don't think I will be purchasing another ASC. Don't again. worry. I will be here as your voice of reason. Yeah. To be ignored. Mm. Brian. I have something similar, but it's not this year. Can I say it forward anyways? Uh, I, I'm... I'm I'm really just the host, Brian. You do whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, something similar in terms of cracking, blah blah, yada da. Really early on in my uh, pen venture, it's the Conklin Crescent, the modern reproduction of it. Um, it cracks on so many places. I can't even give it away to someone. And I think it's a steel nib with a price tag of a gold nib. I think it was 200 something odd dollars because it says it's a limited edition. It has a number, but it cracks, it pops, it detaches from one piece to another. But as of this year, I don't think I have any regrets. Actually, I do have one. Um, the 
Chalana that I purchased for me was taken over by my wife. I should have bought two, but maybe that's going to be. This is the uh, the cost of doing business. It appears. Yes. You should have bought yes. my Chalanas. Peaceful business. You should have bought my Chalanas when I was offloading them. I offloaded two Chalanas. I'll get them shipped to like your work office. <laughs> so she doesn't see. Yeah. Well, I'm working from home now. That's, so. all the, <laughs> that's what all the married guys do. <laughs> You're going to get yourself we'll one of the PO boxes. <laughs> now die. Okay. So, um, early in the year, I sang the praises of Rotofaden because I found what is now a daily carry for me, one of their Taschenbeck lighters in the A5 size. And it's joined my everyday items. It's a great organizer. It fits all my most used notebooks. So I went on this Rotofaden buying splurge. And in the process of like two months, I acquired about six Rotofaden. And on the tail end of that, I went all out and bought a... So it's called the 21 centimeter by 28 centimeter Rotofaden Taschenbeck lighter, which any normal person um, seeing those dimensions would assume to be a B5 notebook cover. Um, let me Google what B5 paper size is. So uh, the B5 paper size is basically 18 centimeters by 25 centimeters. Um, so any notebook organizer cover that is 21 by 28 would theoretically, well, you should expect to be a good fit for the B5 paper size. So I bought this organizer because I have quite a few uh, B5 notebooks, some from Life Stationery, um, one from, I think, Noble Note. Noble, is that what it's called? Noble Note. Um, let me have a look. Well, I think that's Life as well. That is also Life? Yeah, probably. I think it's Life as well. Um, I also have... Uh, Leuchtturm and um, Midori um, Kayes in that size as well. So um, it's not a size that you can find a good range of covers for. So I thought this would be a nice alternative, I guess, to just having a naked B5 Kaye. And um, it was quite pricey, like all Rotofard and Taschenberg lighters are. It was, oh, I'm trying to remember, in the vicinity of around... 300 Australian dollars. Um, I it was more than that. I thought it was like 200 something euros. It, so it was quite expensive, this Rotofaden. And when I purchased it, as I said, I intended to put B5 notebooks in it because of the dimensions. And when it arrived, it turned out not to be suitable for almost any B5 notebooks except for the very slimmest of inserts basically the inserts that are made by Rotofaden themselves. Um, I wrote to them to complain about this and they basically implied that it was user error, that I shouldn't have been trying to put normal sized B5 notebooks in my Rotofaden. And as a result of this very long-winded experience, which I won't go too much into, I've completely become disenchanted with Rotofaden in general. Um, and now I have this 21 by 28 cover which is pretty much useless to me because it can't take a proper B5 notebook without the notebooks falling out. Um, so I guess 
I would not recommend anyone get the Rotavarden Taschenberg Glider 21 by 28. And maybe unless you're very, very sure that you want a Rotavarden, don't get them at all <laughs> because their customer service is terrible. That's my warning. Okay. And I think Di was being very generous about this, given that we did see a lot of the um, things that had happened behind the scenes. Um, there was a lot of miscommunication, a lot of promises which were not lived up to by Rotafarden in the back end, where I thought that they had agreed to replace or pro make you a new Rotavarden that would fit they did. a B5 they and did. then they asked you to pay for it. No, what they said was that they'd make me another one but when they said that they'd do that, they didn't condition it upon my returning the one that they'd already sent me, which I wasn't happy with. Um, so they wanted me to send them back the one that they gave me, which didn't work in the way that I wanted um, before they sent me my replacement and my response was no I shouldn't have to do that because the one you sent me does not work and I'm not going to wait another however many weeks for you to custom make me another one for something that you know should have worked the first time so I was just very annoyed with the whole process and I think it comes down to the fact that they designed something which doesn't work as promised looks like a B5 cover, but it doesn't work like a B5 cover. So a, a couple of uh, sobering stories for, for the year, uh, despite our overall, overall quite positive yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't normally have like experiences like this. I'm usually, usually it's live me. and let go. <laughs> mm. I'm usually pretty live and let go with things that I'm, I'm happy with. And I think it was just the fact that this is so disappointing after some very good experiences with Rotofaden, with the A5 covers at least. Um, just seeing that the way that they decided to treat um, my complaint. Um, it was, yeah, very dispiriting. Mm. Okay, uh, so we're going to move on to our, our more lightning Q&A round where we've got a range of questions. Uh, we're going to answer them. We may not necessarily have the time to go in full depth for all of these, but uh, feel free to drop us a line on any of our associated uh, social network pages, and I'm, I'm sure we can engage. Um, first up, from Chris Lim. Uh, do you have or plan for a fountain pen hit list for the year or years? And how early do you plan for it? I do not think this far ahead, Chris. Neither do I. No. I'm no. A, ooh, shiny. <laughs> We're opportunity bias. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, As I said before, if it attracts me, if it's a good mm, price, I'll get it. Doesn't am, matter if it's on my list or yeah. on my plan or not. At the moment, I feel like a buzzard circling the desert waiting for something to die. <laughs> and we know that Sharon is very very much impulsive in when she buys yep. <laughs> no rhyme or reason um from therese what is your current top five to ten must have fountain pens my, my list is not that big um, yeah i find difficulties trying to list yeah yeah i i can tell you that i at some point kind of want to get a parker duofold mandarin but uh, i'm not fussy about year or whatever. Uh, it, it kind of would just be nice to grab one of the pens that you could see as a touchstone of the of the yellow pen. Wait, uh, is this top five that we already have, or we have to have? That's a, a for, for must, must have. have. Must oh, have. Oh, as in so you can already have, have, have it. Must have or not? Uh, the ones I have are my must haves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I thought it was the ones that we already have. You guys took this very um, literally. I I actually took a step back for this one and I did have a list. Um, it's up here and I made it up in the last <laughs> 10 minutes or so, but I have a list. <laughs> so top 10 must-have fountain pens. Lamy 2000 for the historical significance yes. and the uh, recognition it's had, um, the unchanged design of it since Bell the House. 1960s, uh, not the Safari Bow. Bauhaus edition. <laughs> we'll actually link what we mean by this. There's a Bauhaus edition, and I hope you can Red, bold, hear and the exclamation and mark at the end mark. of that. Um, sorry, so must have fountain pens. My first one, uh, Lamy 2000. I think it's a great pen. My second one, Mont Blanc 146, the Legrand version. Their piston filler, good size pen, classic, not going to go out of style. It is something that is an iconic fountain pen when you think about it. It's an iconic pen. My next one, Kakuno. We, we all know why. <laughs> yep. A slash Pilot Petite. We all know why. Um, another must-have fountain pen would be a Platinum 3776 because of the slip seal, slip seal cap mechanism. Um, if... Well, if you're thinking about a bargain price pen, well, bargain price for what you're getting and how functional it is and the slip cap mechanism in the um, in that particular pen, that stops the nib from drying out, which is a common problem. That yes. pen is very good value for money. But it dries out when you're riding if you pause for a bit because the nib surface area is so big. I always find this with all of my 3776 that oh. like... When you pause for like 10 seconds, it hard starts because it dries out for some reason. I've maybe it's just me. I've not had that problem. I've not had that problem. But maybe I should get a even wetter. Yeah. Um, so that was for um, a Pilot Custom, probably a 92, a 92, the piston filler. Yeah. Um, or the 74, great entry level, good, good price. Um, fantastic QC on those particular nibs and a Sailor Pro gear. I I brought my whole uh, eleven pens which fit in my uh, in my storage box from uh, Galen Therese, That is my list. Uh, I will put. I'll send five that, to ten, Chuck. I'll five send that ten. over. Well, I'll take one out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll. I'll send uh, that over to Di and we'll put it up in our um, socials. That's my list. Um, my current grail is the DuPont Andalusia. It's been my grail for several years. I haven't found one at a price that I'm willing to pay for it. <laughs> oh, Ian. <laughs> Ian just oh, says, you know, give me an offer. <laughs> I believe you say that to people as well. You're, you're big on that one. But that's only for pens that I don't in- actually intend to sell. So I know that they this have one to give me Ian a really good price. actually enjoys the taunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, from Rob Ansel, uh, some brands seem to be on your never buy again list. Is there anything they could do that would bring you back? Sharon. <laughs> work. They just got to work and not have stupid designs like the Pentagon. Good Lord. That if we had a top 10 hated pens of the year. That's that the biggest would innovation in fountain pen the last decade, <laughs> mind you. The Pentagon pen. Yeah. With, Isn't that what with, they... the, with the fusion style nib. Oh my God, that's a horrific pen. Um, so look, Visconti is on my never to buy again list because I've had 
like horrific experiences with them. The QCs let me down time after time after time after time. And I made a call at one point and I sold every single working Visconti that I had. And the ones that I have left now, one I can't sell. Because it's for the bonfire. Because it's for a bonfire and it actually doesn't work. And I have one other one that I just can't bring myself to sell because I actually really like the design. Um, other than that, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't buy one again. You know, the once bitten, twice shy. I'm once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times bitten. By the eighth time, I might be a little shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and anyone else? I don't think I have an... I don't have an... Uh, apart from... <laughs> The, the, when it's a larger pen manufacturer, I think I'm I'm a little more forgiving. I've mentioned that I probably would never buy an ASC again, but I I think that's more just an awareness that their design sensibilities don't necessarily mesh with mine, and what their idea of a fantastic pen is differs from mine, and it's not that's not something that. I think they want to resolve or that I want them to resolve. It's a clear difference in opinion. Well, actually, like in general, if you got traumatized by one and then you got traumatized for the eighth time, then unless there is... I don't know how you can resolve that. But for me, I don't have any Maybe if they give you eight working pens, it might help ease the pain. Um. From Marko Markolovic, uh, if you could only use one pen, one ink, and one notebook, what would each item be? Sharon Swinging. Oh, easy, because I've basically been doing this for the last year. So one notebook would be the Life Kappa notebook. It's the one that I actually use the most at work. Um, great paper. I would say Midori, but Life Kappa is practically what I've actually been using because it comes in at a much lower price point for um, a great notebook. One ink, uh, Pilot Iro Shizuku Asaga. One pen, Decimo Fine Nib. Don't really care what the finish is. Uh, Aurora Optima, Tsukiyo, Midorium D. Um, Kakuno, Lamont, and this life notebook that I've been using for the past like four years. Um, a Pilot 723? No, is that the 723? 743? 743. The 743, I'm sorry. The Pilot 743 in the black or the burgundy with a fine nib. Ink would probably be uh, Sailor Blue. And the notebook, I'm going to say Life Kapan as well, because that's also my most used notebook. They come in very nice packs of five. Yeah, I've gone through so far this year. I've gone through six of those. Mm-mm. Yeah, something like that too. I'm writing my book in a life, but it's not the Life Kapan. Yeah, you've got yeah. the large one. Yeah. Um, this from uh, Shubran Shudas. Um, what changes would you like to see in the retail and brick and mortar options that exist in Australia? Uh, retail sales assistants who know about the pens that they're selling. Yes. Um, so if Mont Blanc is any um, judge, <laughs> they know nothing about the pens that they're selling. And it's hey there, John Snow. <laughs> it's hard. You, at the very least, an awareness of inks and paper. I think there's a lot of pens out there and you don't necessarily have to have tried them all. But also people to give 
knowledgeable advice to those who know nothing about pens? Because instead of trying to reach a target quota of the day of their sales, yes, or sell the sh- shiny new thing that they have. Because what I can't count in the um two hands the number of times I'm in just a a retailer that sells fountain pens and they're being approached by someone who is asking, so I don't know anything about fountain pens, but would can you recommend me something like an ink or a pen? And they just give the silliest advice. And I just feel, I feel so strongly that the need to step in. Um, but of course I don't because I am polite. Um, <laughs> because there are cameras. <laughs> I, I don't want to be, you know, hastily, you know, bustled out of the store. But um, I wish that people would know what they're selling. My one wish for brick and mortar in Australia is for the mentality that the internet does not exist to be wiped out. Um, if you go to a brick and mortar in Australia and you tell them your price is a hundred and fifty percent more expensive than this particular website, a lot of them say, well, that's fake stock, that's blah, 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 that's blah, blah, blah. They'll give you a whole bunch of excuses and they live in a, you know, they live in a lovely place in Egypt called Denial and refuse to acknowledge the fact that online shopping is a real thing. And there, there, are, there are reasons to purchase from brick and mortars, but they're rarely the reasons provided. Well, as an addendum to that, what's something that retailers could also improve on is actually giving better service in terms of aftermarket care. So um, both repairs and also things like um, repairs and servicing and, you know, spare parts, things like that. Mm. Um, from Beth, any predictions or hope for the Edelstein Inc. Yes, of the Year. Yes, I actually did my research. Yeah. Uh, we had a little conversation I'm about gonna, this earlier. Yes, we did. I'm going to predict a bottle of Voss and it's the uh, Cubic Zirconia edition. <laughs> what color would that be? That. It's just a bottle of Voss. <laughs> the, the, the spring water. <laughs> I'm guessing coral. So like an orangey red. Yes. yes. Because that's the color of the year. This year, running, go, going back four years back, they've been doing that. But it's just so many reds all in a row. And that year where they had like the Pantone green, they didn't actually put out a Pantone green. The next green. year they did olivine. Mm. He's done his research mm. for this yeah. one. And on that olivine year, it's ultraviolet. The next year it's star ruby, which is... But they also well, that's had your coral. They had yeah. orange coral a couple of years ago, but they never released a coral ink. So uh, the um, colour of the year, there was orange. Living coral was this year. No, it was. There was a couple of years ago. There was coral masala as well. red, rose quartz, and then they produced smoky quartz the next year. Well, that was a bit of a letdown. That's fun. <laughs> I'm hoping for like a grey moonstone, so a grey ink, because I think the Edelstein range is missing a grey. Same. Um, a grey, maybe a darker grey, and I would call it labradorite. Just because <laughs> you're talking you like about this, nine. because I like the word. <laughs> She's been obsessed with this word. <laughs> for I like the way it rolls off the tongue. I think corrugated is a really great word for what it is. Not it, a gemstone. Cor- no, not a gemstone. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's a word that's very indicative. It's of not, what it is. It's not onomatopoeia, but it just feels right yeah. for it. Um, next up from Brian Friedlander. What are some of your favorite inks? Uh, uh, I mean, the the... Real key to uh, are Tsukio and um, 
Hit a hook of There, there we are. That, that's that's my my key too. And the the others change around. I have found a real love for Aurora Black as well this year. It's so good. It's so odd as well to have so this good. huge range and to just arrive back at black, but it works. Does it back every, in black? Yeah. Like every little guy. black dress. Yeah. I actually use up a bottle of Aurora Black every single year. It's one of the – I usually use up between two to three bottles of ink. Aurora Black's always one Amazing. of them. It's so good. And you – after you've finished a bottle of Aurora Black, you get why they don't feel the need to put out another ink. Well, apparently Aurora's coming in with, with coloured inks next year. No, Aurora, don't. <laughs> your black, your blue are so good. You didn't need so blue black. Blue black. <laughs> you didn't even need the blue black. Because Aurora blue, Aurora black are two of my favourite inks. I quite like blue black, actually. I, I like don't the colour of blue black. I think it doesn't behave as well as Aurora yeah, black. Yeah, agreed. Some of my favourite inks, um, the Sailor Blues. <laughs> Sailor Sauton, Sailor Island Blue. Well, that's a Kobe one. Kobe 17, Shioya Blue, um, a GNC, which we've talked about before. Um, I also love from the Karen Dash lines, several colours. <laughs> yes, Amazon, Sunset. Both of those are discontinued. From the current ones, uh, Ultraviolet. And what's the other one? Uh, Magnetic Blue. Um, almost similar on the Kobe Blues. Was that this episode? That I just discovered that? Yes, yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah, the Kobe Blues and on top of that, the Bunga Box Lamont and Sailor Rikyucha. Ooh, love Lamont. So mine are Aurora Black, Aurora Blue, so big faves, Graf von Faber-Castell Cobalt Blue, um, Graf von Faber-Castell Moss Green, the Mont Blanc, if you can still get it, Little Prince, Encre du Desert, which was last year's special edition ink. Love, love, love that one. Um, Asagao from Pilot Iroshizuku, Sailor Blue. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on the other couple that I have. There are a whole bunch of Sailor ones. So the Sailor Gentle range, which I don't know what the production status of that is at this particular point in time, were really, really good inks, um, that entire range. Tokiwa Matsu from that range is, is such a good color so solid even even I, I put some in a brush pen for for erin just this morning i diluted it one to one and she put it out on the page she's like this is it diluted i'm like oh, i know it's so good okay from leo uh most practical pen pouch this this is your chance Sharon. Oh, yes. Every single year I have to get in my vote for the Nagasawa two pen pouch or the single pen pouch in the Kip leather because they're so super soft with the microfiber on the inside. And it's just the softest thing in the entire freaking world. I'm going to defer to Sharon on this one. I have a number that I love. I don't necessarily think they're the most practical. Practicality for me means um, it's quick and easy to draw pens out of with one hand that it can protect your pens you know through some tumbling around and also that um, regular taking pens in and out does not damage them and i think my corbo pen cases meets all those criteria i'm i'm leaning towards like quite a thick leather as the outside casing because it provides quite a good physical protection and a soft um What's the lining Interior. of your 
microfiber. From Leo again. Favorite Pokemon? Mew. Uh, I have I have an answer for every generation, which I think is fair. Um, for current generation. Uh, but Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield for current generation. Spoiler I saw, alert. I saw a picture. This is not very deep into the game. It's one of the starters. I saw a picture of Inteleon and I immediately knew that I had found my avatar for this generation. It looks perennially sarcastic. Um, massive fan of that in this generation. There are others, but they all have the same snivvy face. They all look smug, which I've been told is uh, my brand. I know nothing about Pokemon. I only followed the first generation. So, Mew. Mew, Mew is... My favorite is Whimsicott. Whimsicott? Yes. It's whimsy. Whimsical. It's got crazy hair, looks like a cotton puff, and is just a bit of a prankster. It's a very um, it's a very fun... It feels a lot like Pokemon did when I first started, which I can't say a lot of them necessarily still do. Yep, Whimsicott. It's a sheep. This is the one I mentioned. Huh. A sexy lizard. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, from Paper Late, Scott, uh, any plans on the direction of the podcast in 2020? More of the same would be fine with me. Would be fine with us too. Um, the good news about that is that I have ordered more of the same wine for next year. So we're, we're set. Uh, well, as you know, we tend to like run off the seat of our pants, so we don't plan very much. Um, but going off on what Sharon said on her things that she's looking forward to next year, we would definitely love to attend a US pen show, maybe do um, not a live recording, but um, some coverage of the US pen shows next year. Um, from all the hobbies, Kimberly, what's your go-to beverage to ring in the new year? My solid go-to is always an Isla whiskey. Mm. I was going to say uh, Lagavulin uh, 16. You guys are uh, going to need to send... standard. You're going to need I'm, to send me how to spell these. At Lagavulin. Yeah. The yeah. Lagavulin yeah, yeah, 16. Yeah. yeah. I'll send you. At New Year, I don't, I don't need something new. I, oh, true. I, I like that to be my base point. And yeah. I d- that's not my everyday. It's just one that I like going back to at certain times. It is the, well, La Gavulin is the standard. It's a mainstay. I love whiskey. Yeah. Sharon? Champagne. 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 Um, preferably vintage. Preferably a 2008. Ooh. Getting more specific Ooh. now. Very, very specific. It was a very good year. 2008 was a very good year. Some of the older ones are nice as well. So 2004 was a particularly interesting year as well. A little bit wet, a little bit mm. rainier. Um, but no, I definitely would go with dye. I'd start off. I'd start off the night with um, something vintage. Towards the end of the night, the cheap stuff comes out. We don't out. care. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nobody... If you drink Lagavulin the whole night, you've wasted a bunch of it. Yeah, you only need one shot of it to be happy. Open your night with it and then Jameson. I, I, <laughs> I will happily go back to Jameson. I, I, I wouldn't the... go that far. Like... I'm, I'm happy to go to Jameson. I, I'm liking Oban right now. As oh, well. Oban is I'm Oban liking is really Oban good. right yeah. now too. And then you can switch back to Lagavulin again. Yeah. 
later, and then go it's back a, to it's Obama. It's a cycle. Yeah. It's yeah. a cycle. It's uh, like the, the wheel of time. Um, let's go to Chris Lim again. What are the respective ages of your dogs and what were their most mischievous deeds to date? Bonus. Minus minus three months. So. Minus three months. Yeah, I'm getting one. Coming up soon. Yes. Is it going to be a sausage? Yes, of course. Ooh, a mini sausage. Short hair. Short hair because chip, Anin is um, um, asthmatic. So uh, a the blotchy one with um, the piebald, the one with wh- white and splotches. Everywhere. I don't. I think piebald is specifically for horses. But I'm not, but <laughs> no, I'm not, it is not. I'm not yeah. sure. What are you going to call it? Have you thought uh, that far? S o s s e j. Sausage. <laughs> and it's going to be a girl too. Oh, sure. so what are you going to call her? Saucy? Saucy? What? Sassy? No, sausage. Sausage. No, but like, you yeah, don't have a cool name. You, you have to call Like the, the long name. name is Sausage. <laughs> you have to call the name across a park yeah. at some point. Yeah, sausage. Sausage. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> and you that will evolve. You know what? As soon as you call that, all the dogs are going to come yes. running. <laughs> But also, you can't plan nicknames ahead of time. It just comes. Yeah, it, 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 will, it will come. No, I used to call my dog with a really high pitch uh, whistle, which I actually um, continued to call my mom and my brother and my sister whenever we're in a really crowded place. It's a very easy... Quite degrading. I want first. to be clear that you're not talking about a dog whistle to call your relatives. No, not the dog whistle, sure. but the really high d- whistle. No, from I just your, wanted like, to be lips. clear. Yeah, um, it works. We never get lost. Uh, Lemon is uh, three, coming up on four, uh, beginning of next year. Uh, most mischievous deeds to date. She, there is a very small baby tooth mark. Uh, that I thankfully caught before it became anything too big uh, that is sitting on the same Pro Gear Rialo that I sent to. Um, and it's a very small one. I kind of love it. I, I really <laughs> kind of love it. Um, it was my bad for leaving a pen on the couch at that period in her life. Uh, that's if it's fountain pen related. Um, lemon... Lemon, uh, she she has on her tag uh, engraved, call my dad uh, and my phone number on it. So I'm generally happy for her to get up to mischief. <laughs> um, my dog, Lance, he's a Waimarana. He is 12 very, very soon. Uh, he's never really paid any attention to my fountain pens, never interested him at all. So I think the most mischievous thing he's ever done was that one time he brought a dead possum into the house, snuck it into his bed and kind of rolled around in it. (laughs) And I only found out, I only discovered it um, fairly late at night. Uh, when I was looking down into him lying on his bed. And it was pretty scary, I have to say, seeing him with his mouth covered in blood and like this Ooh, dead does thing. Does he present that to you? No, he doesn't, he doesn't present oh, it. No, no, my, my dog used to, uh, just want to bring sleep with rats, uh, even bats right. and tiny birds. Hats? In, no, not cats. No, okay. Oh, my gosh. What about on, that? On, t- on my mom's um, doormat. What about that time he brought you a rainbow lorikeet or like a yeah, parrot? Yeah, that too. <laughs> but at least that was outside. He didn't bring that inside the house. He just caught it and sort of like showed it to me. Uh, 
He doesn't eat it. He just holds it in his mouth and sort Did of Laura licks Pete it. Die? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. It was very dead. <laughs> um, so Sebastian, or he Sebi for short, um, is one and a half years old. He is a papillon. He is a very very big papillon. So he's six and a half kilos, it's which like the is the biggest pap I've ever seen. Yeah, well, he's about two and a half kilos bigger than what he should be as a papillon. Um, he was a big boned young pup um so he's most he, he's very mischievous because he's quite young um but probably the worst thing that he's done and wasn't even that bad i was trying to take photos of my new decimos at one point and i was holding them in my hand and he wouldn't he just wouldn't let them go he was so fascinated by it he kept jumping up trying to grab them it, i have a video of this actually we will share the video on our um instagram because I did, I did post, manage to get a video of him going nuts for decimos. Um, and the last one from our crowd, uh, Diana in Cansador is asking, how is your garden blooming? Well, it is late spring, so looking gorgeous. Um, second flush of blooms on my roses. A lot of things are growing very rapidly. But we are still in the middle of a drought, so I do have to water basically every day. It's a lot of work, unfortunately, but makes me happy. This this question, I read it at first, like, um, how how could your uh, garden could be blooming? <laughs> like, knowing you, like my how garden, could it be my blooming? inner garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, uh, well, that takes us to our recommendation section. Thank you, everybody, for the questions. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily always have time to go into them as in depth as we want to, but happy to engage on the interwebs. Um, but for our recommendation section, things that we are loving that may or may not be fountain pen related that we would like you to enjoy as well. Uh, who went first last time? Uh, let's go, Diana. Diana, what's your rec today? Oh, my rec is related to Anna's question about my garden. Um, my recommendation is grow geraniums. I really like them, <laughs> especially the scented ones. <laughs> They're very easy to grow. You don't need to water them very often. They just need a patch of bright sun and basically just leave it. Um, and they're very easy to propagate. So if you buy one, it's very soon, you'll probably have like a bunch of little cuttings that you can easily share with your friends. And that's what I did very recently. Because following, falling off dies. <laughs> I've just Go shown Di a picture of a meganium. Does it smell <laughs> like a geranium? <laughs> Which is a Pokemon. Yeah. Should be your favourite Pokemon. That is, that is now your de facto. Sure. Yeah. Um, going to gardening, if you have restricted spaces, if you don't have a backyard, if you are planting things in pots, um, repot them every two years, three years, because they will still grow even if they're restricted in their tiny little pots. That's why bonsai can survive so long. You just have to... Um, shake the soil off the roots, trim the roots a bit shorter, and then replace put the it, potting mix. Yep, put it back into the same pot. It will happily grow forever. And trim all of the dead leaves. You thought you you think that the um, the leaves just gonna fall off, but sometimes they don't. And if they don't fall, most of the times they won't grow new shoots. Uh, I'm gonna recommend two things uh, that are both very light 
uh, I think if you're a creative person or if you you like making things uh, where, that are uh, might not be classically considered creative uh, in terms of being writing, drawing music or whatever, but you like making things, uh, watch The Trip. Uh, it is a movie. The one that I'm thinking of is a movie. Diana just told me it's a series now, a series of movies. Yes, there's at least three movies. Yes. The one I'm thinking of. Uh, that I watched recently uh, has Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, and they tour around Northern England uh, that is, uh, trying restaurants. That is not really what the movie is about, but it is kind of the central movement. It's a travel show about two middle-aged men who are like working actors or comedians. Yeah. It and, is only very yeah. tangentially about the restaurants that yeah, they're reviewing. Yeah. It's like an interpersonal sort of a drama thing. Yeah, I think it's very good at capturing... About male friendships. Yes, and another thing I think it's good at is capturing artistic struggle and what is what is acceptable uh, in terms of uh, striving for uh, difficult greatness or being likable and having work that people enjoy. And I think it's, it's important. The other one is uh, The Banner Saga, which is a series of uh, very narrative, heavy uh, turn-based strategy games. Um, similar, similar to uh, kind of like playing chess, uh, turn, uh, turn-based strategy, you're, you're moving pieces around the board. But that's not why I want you to play it. I want you to play it because I think that when people talk about video games having a strong narrative, uh, often I'd think they're wrong. In this case, I, I think it is one of the stronger examples of writing uh, a story and people that you care about and forcing you to be invested uh, in that environment. Uh, so The Banner Saga and The Trip. Have you ever played a Fire Emblem game? I have, I have. Okay. We've talked about Fire Emblem I know, before. we have, we have. It's not my rec for today. Um, my rec for today is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, so Stan in Australia has recently come out with, I believe they call them Stan Classics, um, which are classic TV shows uh, that are now all available. And I have recently gone back into Grey's Anatomy, which is now available on Stan, uh, seasons two and three, obviously the best, and just reliving my university childhood there. Oh, can I add a recommendation? Well, the trip is also on Stan, yes. uh, I believe. So continue, Di. My um, follow-on recommendation is the cheese that we've been having today. Uh, this is the second time I've bought Sumantran. I think S-O-U-M-A-I-N-T-R-A-I-N. It's a washed rind. It's a, a, I think it's, a, it's very gooey, but it's very not... Very mild. It's quite mild. It's beautiful with honey over it. And I don't eat soft cheeses very often <laughs> yeah it's it's very nice um well that is our recommendations for this episode and for the year before we go on hiatus so thanks everybody for closing off the year thank you for joining us uh, as as always i love recording with you guys it's uh, been a great catch-up day mm-hmm. lots has been drank it's thank- been months since we've recorded it, it really yeah. has yeah, it really been. has there's been. been a lot more uh reporter in the field happening. <laughs> yeah. yes Brian, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, thank you, and happy holidays. I look I forward. I look forward to hearing how the hive goes. We'll see. Very early in the year. And also to receiving a bottle of Lamy. That, 
Dark, <laughs> Dark lilac. lilac for Christmas. And your, your <laughs> it's yes, on air that now. would be early next year. Yeah. Okay. If you on agree to, by That's the law of verbal us. traps, if you you have agreed to it on air. Uh, thank you for giving us your space and food and uh, company again, Sharon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening and putting up with us as we go on tangential rants <laughs> during all of our recordings. I thought we that's the reason why they listen to Possibly. <laughs> these used to be 30-minute episodes. You know, these used to be very structured and we used to have – time keep on these um and back in the day we had very uh, strict skeleton of an episode i don't know what happened we started drinking <laughs> while we were recording but um no thank you to all the listeners for putting up with us and for continually um continually supporting us from everywhere in the world and thank you to my co-hosts i've been so uh, delighted to have you all here today drinking my wine eating diana's cheese and thank you for making delicious dumplings today yeah, 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 the dumplings was great uh, thank you very much Di, for for another year of uh, uh, work another year at the helm uh, and uh, doing the lion's share of the work once again thank you everybody would not be possible with either of you and of course brian we love having you here yeah. <laughs> it's your pleasure, guys. It's your pleasure. It's for all of your pleasures. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure. Uh, well, until next time and until next year, listeners, uh, my name is Chuck Monsano and uh, Ink Well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, or feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Chuck Monsano, Sharon Zai, and Diana Dai. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dai. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. Woo!